looking for the puck is Parker. Couldn't play or stop by Cook for a long shot. He scores! Colorado wins the Stanley Cup! Colorado wins! Ewing Group at 4 30. Got a chance for the empty netter! Got it! Sackick will come out to receive it as captain. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Mark! Hello and welcome Avalanche fans. My name is Adrian Hernandez. Welcome to At Elevation, a podcast brought to you by Mile High Hockey and SB Nation. Please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast uh, on your preferred listening platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, etc. Um, we ask you to do that because this helps us get you guys uh, timely content. So we want this content to be as relevant as possible. Make sure you guys listen to it when it's relevant. That way you can get the most out of our content. Um, if you enjoy what you've listened to and you kind of want to um, uh, get in the fight, so to speak, uh, feel free to follow us at at Elevation Pod. That's at at Elevation Pod on Twitter. You can also follow uh, at Mile High Hockey if you want some more in-depth avalanche coverage. So that's out of the way. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to get into on today's show. Um as usual, we will be going through Scott McDonald's Twitter Tuesday. That way we can uh, get some questions from you folks and uh, give you our best answers. Then I'm going to have a little talk with Tom. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Avs' recent success, minus last night, of course. <laughs> and um, we'll talk a little bit more about the trade deadline and what we might expect from Joe Sackick. And last but not least, I'm going to have a brand new guest. Her name is Sarah Avampato. It was a pleasure to speak with her on my way to last night's game. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about the Stadium Series game. She covers the LA Kings um, on jewelsfromthecrown.com, which is another SB Nation affiliate. Like I said, that covers the Los Angeles Kings. She has some awesome information, a little insight on um, their situation and that honestly may affect the Avalanche situation as well, given the Avs may be buyers uh, come trade deadline. So now you know what you can expect from today's show. Let's drop the puck. So first things first, we're going to get back into Twitter Tuesday. We've uh, been doing this weekly now. I really enjoy it because I get to uh, respond to fellow Avalanche fans and give them a little bit of a perspective um, from another fan rather than somebody who um, is really involved in the team. So the first question comes from CO Proud American, and he asks, if the elevated play of the defense and goalies continue, are the Avs a legit top five team? You know, this is a, this is a, Easy question to ask, hard question to answer. But I think when you really look at any hockey team, um, it comes down to four phases, defense, special teams, offense, and goaltending. And hardly any uh, team has all four of these things going well um, at any one point in a season or in the playoffs. 
but every team has the potential, I think. Um, there's so much dichotomy in the NHL right now. It's a very skilled league. Um, that's what it comes down to. That's what being a good team is, though, is having all those, all four of those facets in check. Um, I think when the Avs have two of those things going, they are a top five team. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's because a guy like Nathan McKinnon will will his way to a victory. So he's pretty much got the offense and special teams covered in that regard. I know the Avs have been struggling on the power play. Recently, um, they did get a power play goal last night. And what do you know? Nathan McKinnon on the assist. So I think anytime you have top-level elite generational talent like uh, a guy like Nathan McKinnon, you can have two or three of these things going well and be a top thing, top five team. I think when the Avs have three or four of these going well, they're cup contenders. So that kind of puts into perspective where I see the, the Colorado Avalanche. Um, obviously, last night's loss to the Washington Capitals was a tough pill to swallow, um, especially I was, in, <laughs> I was in the arena and holy man, it may as well have been a Washington Capitals home game because there I was surrounded by red. And don't get me wrong, I welcome travelers. Um, hockey's an awesome game in that fans from all over the uh, country live in certain corners of the country and can support their team where they live, whether it be the same team from where they live. But, man, that makes things a little hairy when <laughs> the Avs give up a two-goal lead uh at home tensions can get a little high and it was pretty evenly matched last night but uh moving on from that I, I do think that the avalanche last night is a good example I think they got got out in front of a really good true cup contending uh Washington capital team and and to be honest with you there were some costly turnovers there were some suspect penalty calls um hate being that guy but I am that guy <laughs> and I think that the the avalanche played really really hard last night the puck just did not bounce their way and I don't think this will be the last time um the avalanche and the capitals play and have a well it might be the last time I haven't looked at the schedule but it definitely won't be uh this this will be the way that these two teams play each other frequently if you noticed it was a physical playoff like game and that's because these are two playoff teams and they are both ramping up and getting into the push portion of the season so to answer your question yes they are a top five team and to uh furthermore they i think they are cup contenders so let's move on to our second twitter question this one comes from at Jordan A six hundred eight one eight four one, Jordan Allen asks, "How do you think a seven game series would go versus the Stars with us having home ice advantage?" So that that assumes that the Colorado Avalanche do take second in the Central Division, and the Dallas Stars take third, which I think is the silliest thing in the NHL's playoff format that the second and third seed in a division will play each other in the first round. But if that is the case, that is going to be a grueling, grueling playoff series. 
Um, it's already shown to be a tough matchup for the Avalanche in the regular season based on uh, Dallas playing a very strong forecheck-minded um, game. And the Avs kind of had a tough time getting out of their own end and uh, into the Dallas zone in their previous matchups in the regular season. However, the playoffs are a totally different thing, especially when it comes to physicality from a team like the Avalanche, who may be kind of just reserving that physicality for the playoffs, i.e. Gabriel Landeskog. He hasn't been throwing the weight around as much as he's used to. I know he may be playing with a little bit of an injury. He had his surgery earlier on this season. But there are some guys on our team that are bangers, and and they haven't quite yet tapped into that. And I think that's that's a smart thing. I think it has more to do with longevity and, and knowing that there's a, a real chance at a cup run for the Colorado Avalanche this season. So there's no reason to throw your weight around too much and put yourself at a higher risk of injury in the regular season, especially getting closer to the playoffs. That being said, the playoffs are totally different. Everyone plays more physical. Everyone skates harder. It's always more chippy. So add some chippiness to the all, and physicality to the already physical and chip chippy nature of an avalanche regular season matchup and that's what a playoff matchup will feel and be like it most certainly would go to like six or seven games and things could get emotional just based on the fact that they're two really really good teams with uh, one side with serious star power the other with a serious seriously good goalie and a seriously good system. I honestly kind of hope it happens because if the Avalanche can make a statement in that kind of series and come out like they did against Calgary um, last year, I think it could really, like I said, make a statement and um, galvanize the locker room and show show just what they are capable of. I mean, if you're taking down one of the strongest opponents in the bracket in the first round and you get past that, obviously you're going to have a couple bumps and bruises. But if you can win that series, that's a little bit of confirmation. So to answer your question, I'd say a seven-game series with the Dallas Stars would be very entertaining, very risky, (laughs) but ultimately could benefit the Colorado Avalanche. So thank you guys so much for sending in your questions on Twitter Tuesday. If you haven't already, uh, be sure to follow Scott McDonald. His uh, Twitter handle is at offscottfree. And follow at milehighhockey. And follow at at elevationpodcast. That way um, you can see when we send out that tweet. It's basically a call to action for Avalanche fans. Just to send in whatever questions you have. There was a funny one on there today that I almost put on the show, and I'll mention it because it was really funny. Uh, someone asked, of all the seven coaches uh, in the Colorado Avalanche history, uh, which coach do you imagine dove from the Casablanca <laughs> diving fountain? Well, I don't know. Someone mentioned uh, Quinville. I I don't really know, to be honest with you. That's a question I think you folks should answer. So if, if you guys have an opinion on that, Feel free to go look at our uh, our Twitter feed and you'll see our Twitter Tuesday and that question on there. So thank you again, guys, for contributing. All right, let's get our resident smart guy, <laughs> Tom Hunter, 
on the phone. Tom, I caught a glimpse of the Colorado Avalanche Stadium Series helmets, and I know you're a big fan of the jersey, or at least the Avalanche's approach to the jersey. What do you think uh, of the helmet and how it will fit with the jersey? I like them. Um, it, it seems like they're going all in with the football style, with the logo on the side of the helmet and stuff. And that plays into being in a football stadium. So I think, I don't know, I like it. it it's it's different. It's something that uh, the, the NHL doesn't always like to be different. So it's it's good to see a team finally doing that. Um, and the, uh, the big A on the side, I really, really like the logo. Like, we've talked about the jerseys before. And, like, maybe it's up a little high on the jersey, whatever. I like, I really like the logo, as um, like, standing alone from it. So, seeing it on the side of the helmet and um, who's mask. It wasn't, it was uh, Paolo Frank, Frank Hoos' uh, helmet I saw at practice today, I guess, yesterday. He has the logo on there, too. It looks really nice, too. I think they're doing a really good job with the whole thing. I'm glad they're going with the blue pants not the uh, the black and stuff like they often do. So, I don't know. I think they're going to look really good. Yeah, I think so, too. I think early uh, opinions of the jersey were a little bit skewed based on how fans found out or first got a glimpse of them. It was like a leaked picture of a baby-sized jersey. Um, it wasn't very flattering, to say the least. Uh, that's one of the things I'm most excited for is to see the entire kit to see the pants and the gloves and the socks and see how it all fits together. It seems like you said they've gone all in on the football theme, so I'm really excited to see that. Tell me, what are you most excited for in terms of the Stadium Series game? Um, I I just really liked seeing the, uh, like, seeing the pictures the, that uh, the Avalanche have been throwing out on social media and Twitter today and the, the past few days of just, the way they're setting up the field, they've got a fighter jet in the one end zone right out, right off the ice surface and stuff, and really playing into, they're really embracing the idea of being on the Air Force Base, and I think that's really cool, and just with all the imagery they have with it and uh, the way it's all set up, I think it's going to just look really cool. I think that's the biggest thing. It's going to be watching it, whether you're there or on TV, it's just going to be a spectacle, and it'll feel special versus a normal game like you'll definitely people are getting bored sometimes they'll they'll complain there are too many outdoor games every year whatever or jump the shark it's not it's not uh special anymore but the second you see that kind of setup that they're putting together there it you can tell it it is going to be special it's going to be a different totally different feel than an ordinary regular season game on a weekend in february i think yeah, and the thing I think people don't really take into account is um, just the way this this changes the landscape of hockey and the entertainment landscape for a weekend in Colorado. Like this, this sort of event is usually reserved for a Denver crowd, the Denver market. But we're talking having pro hockey in Southern Colorado, which I'm from Southern Colorado. I'm from a, a town called uh, called Pueblo. That's about 45 minutes to an hour south on I-25 of Colorado Springs. So I get to get in my car in about five hours, drive up to Colorado Springs. It'll take me an hour. We'll get into our Airbnb, and it'll be time 
for me to just hunker down and get ready for one of the best weekends of my life. I don't think people understand the impact on the community that these games have. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's also the way the league dishes out the games. Like for the longest time, Cal- or, uh, Chicago was in an outdoor game every year just because the NHL didn't, wouldn't get creative with it. They just kept sticking the big markets in there and, so I think that has something to do with it, but being like the earlier one, the one on New Year's Day in Dallas, and then this one, not just in Colorado, but in a new special um, area that a new stadium on the Air Force Base, it just, they're, they're being more creative this year now. And I think that, that helps get past the, the old thought that, oh, it's just Rangers and Detroit again, or it's Blackhawks playing in another outdoor game, whatever. Um, I think that they're they're doing, like you said, moving it to a different, even just not being in Denver at Coors Field. Like, was it two years ago at the Coors Field? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah just, just even moving it to, like you said, to a place that doesn't usually see these kind of events. It's, I think that, that does have a, a pretty strong impact on it. And Colorado Springs has seen plenty of hockey, uh, they have the CC Tigers. They're they're pretty pretty ingrained into the college hockey atmosphere, but that's nothing like the NHL. So this is really cool. I'm very excited. Um, I'm mostly excited too because the Abs have been playing really well in recent history. Um, other than of course last night giving up their two goal lead at home to the Capitals, they had won five in a row just prior to that. Um, during this time frame of success um, and in that five game winning streak. Who or what uh, stuck out to you the most, Tom? The fact that the top line isn't playing, isn't dominating the way they usually do, and they're still on a winning streak. Like that's pretty. That's a pretty big deal. Like, it, you know, no players, even the best ones in the league. Nathan McKinnon's top two player in the league, top three. Um, you know, even those kind of players, they're good all year, but they still go through those cold spells. He's going through a cold streak right now and the team's on a five-game winning streak. So what? And you know he's going to start going again. Once he starts going again, it's scary if the rest of the team keeps playing the way they are. Like, you know, the top line, they're still getting points, just not on, a, on the pace they're used to. Um, but it's everybody else picking up the slack, and the defense has been playing well. They're not letting in as many goals as they had been. I think Grubauer has let in, what, one goal in three of his last four or something like that. Um, it's just an all-around team effort right now. This is the kind of team that they're playing the way you want them to play heading towards the playoffs because they're one of the best teams in the league, especially in the Western Conference. So if everything's clicking like this and then the top line starts scoring at the rate they're used to, I don't. it's going to be hard to pick against them at any point. Yeah, and I took to Twitter a couple of days ago to mention that uh, Valeria Nichushkin has 11 goals, which is the same amount as a familiar face, Matt Duchesne, um, same amount as Tyler Sagan, same amount as Voracek. Uh, that may have changed since that tweet. But that is totally unexpected, and that is just a testament to your point that the Avs have been getting this success by means of team effort. Miko Rantanen had a highlight goal with a little spinorama and a silky backhand. Do you think that goal has the potential to reignite 
his mojo and get that top line back to its uh, former success. Yeah, I, that was that's got to be up there in the vote for goal of the year this year, right? Um, he uh, he's looked good recently. He had a really nice snipe against Buffalo on the two on one as well. I think it can't be underestimated how much missing what was it 16 games he both he and landis got at different times but missed 16 games in a row like that's a big chunk of your season so to get rolling again to expect someone to get rolling again right away isn't always the best isn't always doable so like he started looking ranting and started looking really good again finally started looking good once he got healthy started getting good started looking good again and then the two weeks off came um, right at the worst time when he was looking like the old, the old Miko, and now now the last couple of games he's he's putting on putting up goals and like I said once once those three they're still putting up points is the crazy part but we're just so used to them absolutely dominating and so like once they do it's going to be scary when the three of them once they start clicking if everyone else is playing the way they are and if health maintains hopefully um i don't know i think it's a scary team a scary offense right now i think teams probably approach the avalanche in a way where it's like all right we got as much as we can handle on that second third and fourth line so don't wake the sleeping giant that is that top line because the game um, any opponent is going to win against the avalanche is one where that top line is not finding very much success Uh, that being said the second line took a little bit of a hit a few days ago. Avalanche announced that uh, center Nazem Kadri will be out uh, indefinitely. Bednar was pretty cryptic in his description. He said weeks, not days. How many weeks? Who knows? Um, but does that make things a little bit more interesting for Joe Sackick uh, as we get nearer to the trade deadline? Is he going to be buying a depth forward to fill that void? Yeah, well, I don't. It, it totally depends. Like, if he's gonna be, there was people saw Kadri around practice today in a boot and on crutches, which isn't really a good sign. That kind of that sort of screams high ankle sprain, which could be an issue. That that along with the he's out weeks, you never know. Like. It, it, if he's out a long time, I think they need to do something, even if it's just a depth centerman. Um, because, yeah, you move Comfer up in the lineup. You can shift guys around. There are a bunch of guys that can play center. Joe can play center up and down. But these guys, there's a reason they're playing behind Kadri to begin with. So I don't think he's going to do anything crazy, like go out and, like, as soon as Kadri got injured, everyone started talking, oh, Chris Kreider, he, they got to go get him now because he's so similar in style of play to Kadri. Or Pajot, go get Pajot from Ottawa because they need a new, they need a top six center. I don't think he's going to do something like that where he goes out and, and pays a massive price for a guy that will be bumped down to the third line once Kadri's healthy again, um, I think. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he found a rental um, that's significantly cheaper, but fills in like last year. They brought in Derek Broussard. 
what was it, a third-round draft pick or whatever they paid for, a veteran centerman who can fill in where you need to play up and down the lineup, play wing when he needs to. I brought up a name yesterday, a couple days ago, and it ruffled a few feathers. I said, go out and get Joe Thornton. He's (laughs) not going to cost a lot. He's a free agent at the end of the year. We'll probably end up going back to San Jose. He doesn't play with the speed you're used to, but he's still one of the smartest players in the NHL. He would make the power play instantly better. He's just, if you can get past the fact that he looks like he's skating in molasses, every other part of his game is still prime Joe Joe Thornton. And if you only have to pay, say it costs the Leafs third round pick that they got in this Barry deal. That's something that Sackick would look at all day. Like he, Bringing in Thornton this year would be a better version of the Broussard trade from last year, in my opinion. Yeah, and around the league, I think it would be viewed in a lot of the same way as the Raymond Bork trade was, in that it would be like, you know, let's go get one for the Gipper. and Exactly. He, they, Most people are like, oh, he'd never leave San Jose, but San Jose's never been this bad. He's nearing the end, you can tell. And if he wants a cup, this would be the chance. And he... San Jose would do him the favor of trading him where he wants to go. And they're better than Colorado, a team that's second best in the Western Conference. They have a legitimate, they're legitimate contenders this year. They add him. The one, the one funny thing is, I don't think he, he and Nazem Kadri like each other. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's because they, they got into a fight a couple years ago when Kadri was in Toronto and he, as he fell the ice, he grabbed onto Thornton's beard. I don't know if you remember this. He grabbed out, pulled out a chunk of Thornton's beard, like we had a handful of his beard hair in his hand. And so I kind of want to see them play on the same team just because of that history. <laughs> just to see like that replay shown over and over again the second the two of them are wearing the same jersey together. It'd be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, and I want a camera in the room <laughs> when they talk about it. Exactly. That is, that That's something true. for the Twitter account, for the Avalanche Twitter account to throw up, just the yeah. two of them shaking hands in the dressing room beforehand. I think, I don't think it would actually be an issue, but it'd just be a hilarious storyline to add it if something like that ever were to happen. Yeah, that would be awesome. And a guy that I had in mind that uh, got I got a couple eyebrows from people um, is Ilya Kovalchuk. And I know people say that his success in Montreal recently can only be an anomaly uh, but I see a lot of similarities in play style between the Colorado Avalanche and the Montreal Canadiens. And I also see a lot of similarities in the Val Nichushkin and Ilya Kovalchuk stories. Um, what do you think about a, a move involving a guy who's playing well above his pay grade right now in Ilya Kovalchuk? Yeah, I think I think that's a good one, too. Um, he he would be a good fit. He'd be a different kind. Like I bring up Thornton. They're both old and slow, but both other than their feet do exactly what they always did when they were superstars. So like in a different sense, he he's really, really good on the power play. Kovalchuk still, um, when Montreal brought him in, a lot of the talk was always oh, going to be a power play specialist because he doesn't move the way he used to, but that shot is still incredible. Still one of the best shots in the league. And he's contributed more than just on the power play. So I think that other than being, well, 
the th- the one the one thing is maybe they don't need a winger, but you can always use more forward. Going in the playoffs, guys are going to get hurt. You're going to need extra extra bodies. If it means Matt Nieto's in the press box because you brought in Kovalchuk to play in your middle six, I think that's something that the team should strongly consider. Because um, like you said, he's playing well above the contract he's got. I guess it depends how much he costs for Montreal. Do you want to give up? Do you want to give up what they'll be at? They'll probably be asking more than they would have been, say, a couple weeks ago. But who really knows? If the price is right, I think these are the kind of guys, the depth veteran, um, been there before, smart guys that will, like you said, win, win it for these guys because they're the veterans that know what they're doing. I think that's the kind of depth addition Joe Sackick's going to be looking for as opposed to anything anything crazy before then. And if you're an Avalanche fan and you're screaming at the TV and you're asking for more skill, you're out of your mind. What the Avalanche need is more character, um, someone to look to between periods, you know, not necessarily someone who's going to make the play or uh, sacrifice his body, but somebody who's going to be the level head between periods, between big plays that can always keep um, the end game in, in the minds of the rest of the team. And the end game for every team in the NHL is to win a Stanley Cup. Honestly, if nothing comes of this, I, I think it's also a good thing for the Colorado Avalanche because they're in such an advantageous position uh, cap-wise and prospect-wise. So it might just be a good opportunity. Uh, Scott and I talked last week for a guy like Logan O'Connor, uh, given if some more injuries are to are to happen, knock on wood, um, he could get he get some more action. We saw Vladislav Kamenev last night uh, against the Capitals. So I think the Avs are in an advantageous position. What about you? Yeah, they have. They literally have the lowest cap hit in the league right now. Um, so they have way more to play with than anybody else, any of the other, any team in the league, let alone the contenders. Most of the contenders are right up against. They'll have to do. They can't just add veterans for the sake of adding veterans. Like. The Avs can add guys, like you said, that can keep a level head. Don't get too emotional. Um, if things are getting crazy, just look down the bench. Like, guys, they've seen everything. Like, guys, just remember, like you said, remember the end game. Remember what we're here for. Um, and at this point, if you can pick up these guys for late round draft picks or C level prospects that probably will never play in the NHL, they can straight up add that cash because you don't have to worry about any sort of cap constraints whatsoever, um, especially with guys that are on short-term contracts, like any, anybody who's a rental like these guys we're talking about. You can just straight add without subtracting anybody a lineup. So say these guys, don't, say you acquire someone, they don't work, stick them in a press box. It doesn't matter. They're nothing but a cap hit against a team that has no cap worries at all. So I think I think you're right with all that. They, they're, they're in a very... Joe Sackick's probably in a better position than any other general manager going into the with another ten days before the deadline. He he's definitely dealing from a position of strength, and <laughs> Joe Sackick can pull off some pretty lopsided trades when he's dealing from a position of weakness, as we learned from the Duchesne trade. So if he's from a position of strength, you never know what he can figure out. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, that makes me excited because I feel like dealing from a place of strength is a lot more comfortable than dealing from a place with a, a guy who doesn't want to play for your team. 
Tom, thank you so much, my man, for uh, taking the time to speak with me. We will definitely do this again next week, my man. All right, cool. Have fun at the uh, have fun on the weekend, and make make sure you uh, you take it all in. I will do so, my friend, and I will be sure to send you some pictures. That was Tom Hunter, folks. It's always a pleasure to talk with Tom. I always tell him he's my hockey therapist because I store up these ideas for a week and then I get to finally talk with Tom pretty much every Thursday. And uh, I just get to get to clear, clear my mind and vent in the hockey sense. So thank you again, Tom. Now we are going to get into this weekend. As Tom said, I will be on the premises I will be having a good time if you see a guy playing a sauce toss, drinking a beer. Um, I'm sure there'll be multiple of us, but go ask and find out if it's me because <laughs> I'd love to ask you a few questions. Um, so if you see me walking around asking people questions, putting my iPhone in their face, uh, don't hesitate to come up and uh, be a part of the action. I want to feature a lot of fans um, in next week's episode. going to do kind of like a recap of my experience of the stadium series and and some fun some fun stuff as well with that being said in the stadium series the colorado avalanche will be playing the los angeles kings in colorado springs colorado at falcon field on air force academy so now it's time for us to bring in sarah avampato of jewels from the crown our los angeles kings sb nation affiliate first of all sarah thank you so much for taking my call you're welcome. It's been, I feel like it's been a little bit of a hectic week for, for both of us. Yes, it definitely has. Uh, the stadium series is coming to town. We're both making our travels. Yours a little bit further than mine. Um, so it's definitely been a busy week. That's okay, though. We got back around to doing it. <laughs> and uh, I want to I wanna talk a little bit about a piece of yours that I zeroed in on. Uh, you wrote a recent piece on Trevor Moore. Uh, can you expand a little bit upon what... Um, acquiring Trevor Moore in that and what that trade may mean to uh, the Kings organization. Sure. Um, so I think that, you know, first off, the Kings are really kind of dealing with the fact that for a second year in a row that they're not doing great, and that means saying goodbye to some familiar faces and players that are well-loved by their teammates, by the fan base. Uh, so first, it was really sad to say goodbye to Cal Clifford and to Jack Campbell, because both of those guys are pretty beloved by the fans and all the rest of the guys. But Trevor Moore, I think, is an interesting option. Uh, the Kings have long struggled with depth scoring. Uh, you know, once you get kind of past Andrejko Pitar, like it's a little hit or miss as to who's actually going to be scoring. So I think that Trevor Moore is a guy who wasn't really getting the opportunities on the lease, and he didn't really have you know, the the room on the roster to really uh, take the time to develop. They're in a very much of a win-now mode, so they don't have time to play a guy who is still kind of getting the hang of the game at the NHL level. Uh, but he brings a lot of speed. He's very crafty. Um, the couple games that he's gotten in, I've really liked what I've seen from him. And I think that he could really kind of do a lot to add some depth to their uh, little reliance that they're not quite getting right now. Yeah, and I think if anybody can attest to the possibility of success in a new scene, uh, it's the Colorado Avalanche. We have plenty of stories of, of success in, in the change of scenery, whether it be Andre Burakovsky, Valeri Nichushkin, just to name a few. Um, I saw that you also had a piece, uh, it was the SB Nation Fan Pulse, and you guys put out a poll and to see how confident 
uh, Kings fans were in the future. And 100% of fans said that they are optimistic for the future. Can you give me a few reasons why you and the fans feel that way? I think probably the number one reason that fans are optimistic right now is that for once, for the first time in years, uh, the Kings actually have a really strong prospect pool. Um, they're consistently ranked at or near the very top whenever analysts are doing their rankings of prospects uh, in, in the league. Um, they have a lot of very exciting young players who are coming up. Uh, and they have guys like Alex Tricot, who's going to be a really good two-way forward. They have Arthur Kaliev, who just can score from anywhere. Uh, they have some good goaltenders coming up. So I think that um, the drafting and the um, ability of Rob Blake to hold on to draft picks and the prospects instead of just trading them uh, for other players is something that has fans really encouraged. Um, and that, you know, in a couple of years when these guys are all ready to turn pro, um, the Kings are going to look totally different and we'll have a lot more talent uh, up and down the lineup than they do right now. Yes, and us in Colorado are very familiar with your Robbie Blake. And with that being said, his success will always uh, hold a special place in my heart. Um, do you think that he's done selling or are there other players uh, among the Kings roster that you could see potentially being a part of another trade? It seems like it's time to sell. I think that he will trade anyone he can get or get a good uh, return for. Uh, the big names that keep coming up are Tyler Toffoli, uh, who's a winger who, to me, just kind of looks like he's starting to need a change in scenery. Um, there have been kind of rumors that there's not a very good trade market for him because he hasn't been having a really good season. So it's also possible the Kings could look to keep, the, keep him, but uh, I think it's more likely that he gets moved out. Uh, they have uh, Alec Martinez, who's still another year on his contract, but for a team that is maybe looking to add some veteran depth to their blue line, I think that he would be a really attractive prospect uh, to go see see life on another team. Uh, and then there's kind of a couple of random guys like uh, Ben Hutton and uh, Joachim Ryan, both defensemen who are on one-year deals with the Kings. Uh, they could see themselves moved uh, as depth pieces to another team as well. Yeah, and I could see Martinez fitting in nicely with another team um, for sure. He's got playoff experience. He's a stout guy. I think that uh, Robbie Blake would be smart to get as much for these older guys who are kind of fading out as possible. Sarah, I know that you, like we previously mentioned, you traveled here to Colorado. Um, L.A. is traveling as well. They're, they're a team that comes from a coastal city down here in Colorado with a little bit of a colder climate. Uh, what about the Stadium Series experience are you most looking forward to while you're here in Colorado? So the real funny thing is that uh, although I cover the Kings, I'm actually based in Chicago. So <laughs> this this is actually nothing to me. I feel kind of warm here. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, kind of in, in those terms, I'm actually really excited to meet up with uh, some of my media colleagues and some fans that I know who are traveling from Los Angeles and just... Uh, <laughs> offer them my hat and scarf because I don't know that they're prepared for this because this is uh, pretty cold for them. But uh, in terms of uh, being well prepared to deal with an outdoor game, uh, I, I am a lifelong northern cold climate person, so I'm all set. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually uh, noticed that when I was ringing you up that your area code was from Chicago. Uh, my mom is actually from Champaign, Illinois, so I um, have some roots to to that part of the country as well 
Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. I hope we can get you back on the program some other time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Sarah Avampato of Jewels from the Crown, the Los Angeles Kings SB Nation affiliate. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard, be sure to share with your fellow Avalanche fans or hockey fans. And uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. That way you can get timely and relevant content. My name is Adrian Hernandez. You can follow me at San Canelo Gringo on Facebook or on Twitter. You can also follow Mile High Hockey at Mile High Hockey and this podcast at at Elevation Pod. I will see you folks at the stadium series. Until next time, go Avs.